Let's take up our Bibles at this time and turn to Psalm 46. In light of providences of God, I felt compelled to change everything, every aspect of the sermon I had prepared, and the text is different. Thankful that Kim could be so flexible and changing the Psalter numbers. Everything changes, doesn't it? Sometimes, I mean, we're all changing, but sometimes in a moment, sometimes so permanently, But the word of God abides forever. Psalm 46, hear the word that abides forever. To the chief musician, the psalm of the sons of Korah, a song for Alamoth. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, We will not fear, even though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea. Though its waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling. There is a river whose streams shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her just at the break of dawn. The nations raged, the kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice, the earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Come behold the works of the Lord, who has made desolations in the earth. He makes wars to cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow He cuts the spear in two. He burns the chariot in the fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Thus far we read this word of God, entirety of which will be for the sermon to preach and to hear. We all are time-bound, and we all have certain dates even that we remember. Good ones, birthdays, hopefully we remember anniversaries. Things where everything was, or seasons maybe of life, and Things were clicking. And then there's bad times we remember, and and the dates are indelibly impressed upon us. 9-1-1-2001. December 7, 1941. 7 July or June 6... June 16, 2023. 
At every time when God's people have been reflective upon what's gone past or looking forward to a date that they always remember and celebrate or a date that maybe for them is a a day of infamy. Every time God's people have been led invariably to a psalm such as Psalm 46. And so we are today. Basically, the psalm celebrates the God who's with us, repeating that phrase different times. And especially the God who's with us in troubles as the opening salvo of this great word of God reminds us. God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in trouble. I want to consider that. But as always, beloved, we we have to think theologically here before we speak of dates and persons and tragedies or earthly things that we celebrate or moan. Think up. Look up. Remember the truth. The truth of God. The God is our refuge. So let's think about that. That truth The city of God that's mentioned there, that's supposed to lead the way in being protected by this God. And then for our own conclusions as resolute refugees for whom God is a refuge forever. We meet here of the God who's in the midst of our trouble. And the psalmist speaks here as one who knows trouble not only, but who knows in a a very real way that he's been delivered from the greatest of trouble, which is to be on the, the wrong side of the wrath of God. He knows and we know, and this is the theology of the whole Bible, Old and New Testament, God is with us. At all times, whatever dates we're reflecting upon, good or bad, the great thing is God is with us and he's delivered us from the greatest trouble. You know that? Time like this, we we need to know that. From the greatest of troubles, sin, guilt, depravity and bondage and persons and circumstances and everything that could be allured a Lord tyrant like the devil. The text speaks of troubles. To mention God being a refuge and strength and a very present help in the trouble seems incongruous. It's a big word for saying it doesn't seem to fit. God in trouble and God in the midst of the trouble and God with us in the midst of trouble, but that's who he is. In all the troubles, and it's really plural, he's a very present help in troubles. The afflictions, the adversities, the anguishes of life, they're they're due to sin. And all the consequences of the fall of this planet to be under the curse. In our trouble in Adam, our guilt and depravity. The psalmist speaks of them. But he's always thinking, and we always ought to be thinking, 
that these troubles are no troubles to God. Car crashes, bleeding, and the hurts that follow for those who remain. There's no trouble to God. Of course, it's not like he's playing so that it's not a trouble to him, these things. But they're servants, the idea. First word of the text and last, really, God. And that must be how we go through life. Children, you think of God. You think of Dad, celebrate Dad. You think of the Father in heaven. Think of hard things even. You think of the God for whom nothing is too hard. And there's nothing here that causes him to scratch his his head. We get this perception, maybe his balding head. And to say, oh, I I don't really like that. I, I should have done that, planned that a different way. Or I didn't see that coming. I didn't see that coming. It's all servant to him. Every trouble. See, we're, we're so glad to have a right theology that says there's not a good God over here over the good and a, and a bad God over here, an equally uh, daunting force who's the, 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 the God, small g, of evil. That's called dualism. No, we believe in God, and Godism would be the theology. God is over even the trouble. And he's delivered us from the greatest of it, the greatest of the trouble, the sin and the guilt. He's delivered us through Jesus. This is the Christian faith here. That's the way. That's the the way. And even though we might say it caused God a lot of trouble, and God the Son, especially if we would disjoined Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, God the Son, especially because he only, as the second person of the Trinity, went to the trouble of leaving glory and felicity and happiness and all like that, to go down into this nasty place called the world that wouldn't receive him. And the glorious one would become inglorious, and the one who is the God of the universe would bear the reproach of many whose reputation they would just tarnish at every point. He's a son of a devil, he must be. He's a bastard. Joseph and Mary, I don't know how they hooked up there, or if somebody else did, and there was this one whom the angels say, says certain people, was born of a virgin and of the Holy Spirit. God went to the trouble in the person of his son, didn't he, to to show love, to show mercy, and and to die for us and to be risen again and, and to have that report of the church refuted and lied about. And now he's pleased by his word and spirit to sovereignly gather a church 
that would be delivered from the trouble of guilt and shame forever. However, we're delivered from the trouble of guilt and shame and perdition going to hell, but not from all trouble. The truth is that there's a God above and he's taken us and saved us from the real trouble. Never forget that. The trouble is not, you got to pay taxes. The trouble is not infirmities of this life, even though they, they are kinds of troubles, but the real is sin and guilt. That's been taken care of. But God has been pleased to leave us so that there's still troubles for the child of God. And you're saying, well, yeah, we get that. Why, why do we need you to say that? Well, maybe the extra thing I'm saying, other than there's troubles, we all know that, is that God is pleased to lead us through troubles, even heartaches and dying and death. Man is born unto trouble as the sparks fly upward. Job discovered that. Jacob says many were his days, but they were evil. Solomon speaks of the vanity of it all and the psalmist and all of that. Many are the troubles of the righteous and so on. And if you look at Hebrews 11, all we say, that's, that's the, those are the heroes of faith. Or the faith that's heroic. But most of those people, they were known for suffering. They suffered, they lived in caves and so on, and they, they huddled together against the world that hated them. And that's the church, a lot of suffering and the double trouble for being a Christian, persecuted for it and anathematized by the world and the false church world. You think of it, the entire theology of the New Testament especially is God working through and no giving us to work through the theological, Christological, anthropological problem of evil and trouble and then having to suffer for it as if that was worth it. But God is our refuge and our strength in that trouble, beloved. In it is our refuge, he's our castle. Thicker than any walls are the walls of God. Broader and deeper than any moat that people could build around their castle is the moat of God. The protection that he gives is the ultimate stronghold. A divine refuge. God is our refuge and our strength. Not God in brick and mortar and stone and guns, and moats, and alligators, and traps, and security systems, God. And that's enough, the psalmist. He doesn't add to it. His is a God wall. Right now. For the Vanentorns, the de Youngs, the Sovereign Grace family, for all who know the grief and the shame 
of a member of the body of Christ falling. God is our refuge and our strength. And that reminds us that God's our refuge in a very special way. It doesn't just surround us and there we are, drinking tea behind the walls. It doesn't just forgive us, but he sanctifies us, makes us holy, so that somehow we're involved in the being strengthened. And there's armor that's given to us. God says, put it on. I'm your refuge and your strength this way. I give you this breastplate and this helmet of faith and salvation and so on. And, and I give you this gospel and I give you this sword even. So you're forgiven and so I'm your refuge. It's all there, but now there is this. I'm working in you. So Christianity isn't just hiding behind God. It's being strengthened to be on the behalf of God and in his name to conquer and to be defended for the glory of him and not the glory of our efforts. And that's a good thing, that it's not all this God being a refuge made dependent upon our efforts. Reminded of that, of this sister who was taken, this daughter who was taken. Julia walked in sin for a while. Most of us know that. That's one of the reasons she's not and hasn't been in this church for a while. Left home. But glory to be to God. She was brought back to God, and she repented, and she confessed, and she confessed to know the, the glory of forgiveness and the peace and the joy of fellowship with God. She confessed to the consistory and to her parents, and there was forgiveness, and yet, as the text reminds us, there was still trouble for her. She struggled. She struggled to be pure, to be holy, to be humble, to be consistent and uncompromising. But now, that's just like us, isn't it? Here we are hidden behind God and with God, God with us and there's this glorious gospel. We know it. God has begun a good work in us. He's going to perfect it to the day of Jesus. And yet there's this nastiness, isn't it? It's hard stuff. It's not just about car crashes. That's bad enough. It's about soul crashes. Veering off the narrow path. Struggling with old enemies and demons and trying to make sense of it all. And why isn't there more progress for this pilgrim? Why not? And 
So there's the, the struggle. The psalmist, however, is he's not ending there and he's, he's not dwelling on that. There are other psalms that dwell on that struggle. And there's Romans 7 always. The good that I would, I do not. The evil that I would not, that I do. Oh, wretch that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this flesh? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's the sanctified apostle. That's not Paul before conversion. That's Paul who says in Galatians that there's this flesh that lusts against the spirit, the spirit against the flesh. And this is the normal Christian life. God is our refuge and we struggle behind the moat, behind the wall, even though we're in the arms of God because the nature of the beast within wants to get out of those arms, to flee and go anywhere. I can just do my thing. One of the things that characterizes uh, a truly understanding child of God is that God provides in the trouble, in the midst of the, even the mountains quaking and the whole world falling apart. And in the midst of sin crashes, he provides a church. You notice how the psalmist after speaking of this, God being his trouble and planting his flag, this theological flag, he plants an ecclesiastical flag. He knows his theology that's all together, that there's God and there's this church. There's a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High. So any recovering sinner, any sinner saved by the blood of Jesus, Loves that city. That city's a church. There's a, a metaphor for the church of Jesus Christ described as a city, a new Jerusalem in, in heaven itself, and we are the city of God. The Old Testament had a Jerusalem as the place and the tabernacle of the Most High where God would dwell with the people and symbolically be by the ark and also so that you could see Something in the Shekinah, the God resting with the people presence. And here in the church, we need to know and remember that we might know God is our refuge in the midst of the crashes of life is a great refuge. Realize that? It's not just in our soul. Yes, God is there. He makes us personally, temples of the Holy Spirit, not just in our families, great refuges, and we're thankful for dads who love the Lord and for their seeking to do the best, but it's in the church where souls and families gather together to be the family of God. How important to remember that. In this churchless age in which the church itself is so imperfect, nevertheless to her is given the truth of God. And to declare in good times and evil, in all times, beloved, every day of the week, and you hear it echoing, God is God. And to declare it officially through an ordinary sinful man and appointing him to the office and saying, at this time, 
for this congregation, there will be my son Jesus speaking through one who's anointed and one who can be as Pastor Jesus with all his foibles. To say, thus saith the Lord, and now let me cry with you and die with you, grieve with you, but look up with you. And the elders are all about that, and the deacons, this ministry, this thing, the means of grace, the means of help to the help. So that the problems don't become more than they are, yes? Now, how's that right? How can that be? You say this, this death is a problem. Why are you making so light of it to say that there can be more of that? Well, there is. Here it is. The problem of the problem is bad enough, but the problem we can make of the problems is far worse and can be far worse. A reaction to the problem can be the problem exponentially in a great and far greater way. A lot of people, they deal with life's problems and they make a problem of how they deal with it. They're victims, they think. I had this happen to me. I'm a victim. Or I was abused and therefore I'm just going to be known as one who's abused all my life. Or I was an alcoholic or on drugs and addicted to this and that and the other thing. And therefore, that's just who I am. See, it's a problem. It's all about unbelief and it's all about really a tendency to to like the sinful life, maybe, if that was the problem, or to the, the victimhood, because there I don't have to be responsible and I can get attention as someone who has problems. And you see, it's all wrong. It's not the perspective of the psalmist who starts with God and who wants to give glory to God. And so many of us hands strung by this and that and the other thing, and it's often a past or a person or some kind of thing, disappointment in our life. Don't live that way. Beloved, God is God, and God is the champion of salvation. Through the troubles, if the cross means nothing else, it means that. And it does mean something else. It means the champion of your salvation in these times. And how we need to know that. Because the church is a lone voice. And the church's troubles, and this is what's brought out in Psalm 46, the church's troubles is a world of troubles. The nations, the nations rage, the kingdoms are moved, verse 6. And there's wars, and there's bows, and there's chariots, and in all of these hosts that would be against the city of God. It could be a reference to the days of Hezekiah and the king of Assyria besieging the city of God, and there's this river that's making glad the city of God, and that's the river that would provide the water source for the people, the the waters of Shiloh, that goes softly, more could be said, 
for another 10 sermons there. The city of God, where the truth is, where God is. Look, God is in the midst of her. There's this holy place, and we would say there's this Jesus holy place. There's a cross. There's the declaration of the cross, the crucified one, the solution to the problem here every single Lord's day. Aren't we happy for that? And not someone with a song and a dance or to vaunt himself in his oratory, but God speaking to helpless sheep. I love you. I warn you. Find refuge in me. Overcome by the word of God. And then there's this river of water, and that's the Holy Spirit. In the New Testament metaphor, John 7, the Spirit's poured out, and then out of us flow rivers of living water. We cannot contain ourselves when the Spirit comes in and blesses us and applies the blessing of the tabernacle of the cross to us and so that we are empowered people of God, enabled to overcome by the God who is our overcomer, our champion. We sing that together, though the whole world says, I ate that song. What a, what a bad spirit you have, Church of Christ. You're always saying bad things about us. The world says this. And really, this whole text is saying, speaking of a really bad time, <laughs> possibility of a very bad time. God, our refuge, he is, and a very present help in Trouble, and we're not going to fear, even though this, and he imagines in the sanctified Holy Spirit imagination, even though the mountains or the earth was removed and the mountains were carried into the midst of the sea. Think of that. Even though there was no place to stand, no earth anymore, the earth is removed. Talk about having your legs cut out from under you. I think that's what almost happened on Friday afternoon when the news gets out. Your legs are cut out from you. The air is taken out of your lungs and the blood out of your body just drains away. And maybe you might find refuge in the sea. Maybe the mountains would be carried into the midst of the sea and the waters then would roar and be troubled and you'd find that that's not a refuge either. So earth or sea, no refuge, no place in the whole universe. And the psalmist says, even though that would happen, God is our refuge and our strength. You see, God or the universe, where, where do you want to have dwell with you and where do you want to be? That's the psalmist saying. He wants to be with God and so do we. God is our refuge, not the earth, not some place in the Riviera, some place we want to go, some place we think we need to go because that world, it's, we're going to go off grid. I need to do that. We need to go off grid. We need to get away from the world because it's coming after us, isn't it? And they're making this law and that law and the next law to impede not only our American liberty but our Christian liberties to worship. Be careful. Be on guard. 
But the psalmist is confident. And all of society and all of the earth and all of the troubled sea that the wicked is and are, they're nothing to God. Because God is our refuge and strength. And last I know, the Bible says God is the God of the mountains and of the sea and of society. And as we've said, he's over the troubles and he's over the sinners and he's over the enemies of the people of God. And you know what he does with the mountains themselves and the the mountainous the policies and, and laws that are being made and all of the stuff that's going to be uh, a slander to the Christian faith and, and an impediment to our living godly children. Young people, remember this. It's coming. That is, the Antichrist is coming. Even though that's the case, the psalmist is defiant because he has God, and here's what God does with mountains and with cities. He moves them. He crushes them. He takes that bow and he cracks it over his knee and he burns with fire, his own fiery nostrils, breathing out the fire of his holy wrath. All the chariots, all the machines, so that there is nothing to his beloved. That's why we can conclude this congregation And the bereaved family can conclude, come what may, God taking away who he may and when, I will not fear. We will not fear. We will not fear together. We will not fear unless something else comes, someone else comes, and this other problem In fact, we're simply going to be still, aren't we? At peace. And know that God is God. Amen. We pray, Father, that you would bless us and help us to know in the midst of troublesome times, you are God. You are God. We're not. The host that may encamp against us is not. You alone are God. We love you. Thanks for loving us. Thanks for speaking to us this morning. Speak to all the people who are grieving, who've lost, and who are at a loss for words and maybe a loss for motivation as to how to go on. Give hope, give peace, and a stillness before the God who never changes in mercy. Sovereign and good you are, Lord. We praise your name.